Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The numbers look... Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You want to take a or So you've invited me to speak here, and I'm being heckled nonstop. And I'm just asking for an administrator to sign. That's an administrator. Your racism is showing. Your racism is showing. Your racism is showing. Your racism is showing. If you want a marketplace of ideas, you've gotten what you wanted. Take it. The only thing I heard out of that that I fully understood was your racism is showing. That was Stanford University, which should be shut down. All of the money returned to donors and or the state. The campus should be donated to become a national park or something. Maybe put a mall there. A a mall, a strip mall, homes for the bums and junkies, something, uh, anything other than what it's doing now, which is perverting the minds of young people. Those were the sounds, Jack, of Fifth Circuit appellate judge Stuart Kyle Duncan, who was invited by a student group to come and speak on campus. But a bunch of woke students uh, went to the thing, shouted him down, made it impossible for him to speak. And then an administrator who happened to be the assistant dean, I think, of diversity, equity and inclusion, instead of saying, hey, hey, this is an invited speaker. It's not the way we behave. Let him express his ideas. At the end, if you disagree, no, oh, no, 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 not at Stanford, Jack. Here's what the dean said in trying to restore order or something. And again, I still ask, is the juice worth the squeeze? What is that? I mean, is it worth the pain that this causes and the division that it causes? Do you have something so 
incredible important to say about Twitter and guns and COVID that that is worth this impact on the division of these people who have sat next to each other for years, who are going through what is the battle of law school together so that they can go out into the world and be advocates. And this is the division that's caused. When I say, is the juice worth the squeeze, that's what I'm asking. Is this worth it? And I hope so, and I'll stay for your remarks to see, because I do want to know your So what does this particular speaker advocate that has them so worked up? Well, he's a somewhat conservative judge. So he's evil. He's Satan. He's the oppressor, et cetera, et cetera. So this is a law school now, and you've got a circuit court judge, an appellate judge, I should say, speaking to a law school and he's shouted down by the woke students and then the dean on hand lectures him that look at the divisions you're causing look at you with your ideas that are hurting these people who've sat together studying the law is the juice worth the squeeze in other words why do we even have you here this is not worth the pain you're causing by expressing ideas these people are in disagreement with or might be if you ever got a chance to express them when the real story there in Shallow Alto is actually, why is there so much division? Why are you all so worked up that a judge is coming to speak who may not agree with you politically? I mean, there are, gonna, there are lots of judges out there on a lot of different courts that don't agree with you. Aren't you kind of interested in the way that whole thing works and what you're going to be dealing with uh, if you get to that level of presenting cases? I would think you'd be interested in that. So among, well, the uh, salary-stealing woke horror that was that woman you heard uh, speaking is Tyrion Steinbach, the school's diversity dean. Among other things, she said, she caused the judge, accused the judge of causing, quote, harm. Your opinions from the bench land as absolute disenfranchisement of student rights. You're tearing at the fabric of this community. Do okay. you have something so incredibly important to say that it is worth the division of these people? This is an invited speaker. I like the way this is presented as if the law school is one unanimous thought on this stuff, which it might be, as our friend Tim Sandifer has pointed out, how left most of our elite law schools have gotten over the years. My God, so if you're going to Stanford Law and you lean right, you'd have to keep your mouth shut and your opinions to yourself? Lest you be hounded out. That's correct. Yeah. Wow, that is not good. So Stanford University apologized to the judge for the disruption of his talk last week. And this is hilarious, according to the Free Beacon. Administrators encouraged members of the law school's Federalist Society chapter, which sponsored Duncan's visit, to reach out to administrators. I'll just quote them. Where is it? Um, uh, the uh, the president of the university, uh, I'm sorry, associate acting dean of students, Gina Marino, who stood by silently as students disrupted Duncan's talk, pointed them to, quote, resources that you can use right now to support your safety and mental health, telling them to reach out to the very deans who stood by and encouraged the heckling, including this, uh, this uh, uh, Steinbach lunatic. So, yeah, you're supposed to go to their offices and tell them how unhappy you are. That's what you're supposed to do. And this is delicious. And this is where I was, I've was. i been leading with this. The university also said, oh, let me, uh, da, 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 that they shouldn't tweet about the event or anything until this news cycle uh, pipes down. Let me get to the Ooh, quote. said what? Yes, yes. So this uh, Marino idiot uh, and... <laughs> 
And Steinbach, the monster, Associate Director of Student Affairs Holly Parrish, whose parents are ashamed of her, and Student <laughs> Affairs Program Coordinator Megan Brown, who in humanity's ashamed of her, uh, they were all sources of support. All three of them watched in silence as protesters accosted Duncan, that's the judge, and berated their peers for inviting him. They all stood by and or encouraged it. Then here's the great part. Marino then went on to discourage the Federalist Society from tweeting about the disruption, quote, until this news cycle winds down stating that trolls are looking for a fight. The warning came after Stanford endured a brutal 24 hours on social media with numerous lawyers, including Judge Duncan himself, calling for Steinbach to be fired and protesters punished. So, yeah, you shouldn't tweet about this until it all dies down. Hey, I got an idea, Stanford students, Federalist Society. Tweet with all you have. Recruit your friends and relatives. Reactivate your Facebook account. Hell, see if MySpace still exists. Tell everybody about this. Shout from the mountain. Send out clips. Name names as hard as you can. Skip classes for the next two days. Dean of Sanity Joe Getty gives you permission to do that. And, and let everybody know what happened here. God, it's wild, and I'm sure the ACLU is nowhere to be seen on this story. It's wild how it used to be. You know, we'll we'll protect the 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 ability for different points of view to be shared, even if it's Nazis. Now we're to the point that a judge with just with mainstream opinions, they're just mm-hmm. not yours, aren't allowed to speak at Stanford. There is one far left ideology. That is allowed at Stanford Law. That is the inescapable conclusion of this. And the university president can say, oh, sorry, it shouldn't have gone down that way. Why don't you call the dean of equity and inclusion to uh, tell her how unhappy you are or for counseling? I mean, no, no. In fact, de facto, as they say in law school, one ideology is permitted. The judge, for his part, did an interview with uh, the Free Beacon and said the protesters behaved like dog spit, except he didn't say spit. He was the S-bomb. And he's calling on the school to discipline the students who disrupted his talk and to fire the school's associate dean of diversity, equity, and inclusion, the aforementioned uh, monster Steinbach, who stepped in during the event to chastise him and deliver what the judge described as a, quote, bizarre therapy session from hell. <laughs> wow. And, uh, and, and they make the point, Duncan's remarks came after nearly 100 students at Stanford Law School disrupted his remarks in a brazen violation of Stanford University's free speech policies. What they did was specifically, undeniably, against the rules. And the deans encouraged it. Um, I know some people that are... Uh in the university world that have these points of view. And what's interesting to me from my observation is that uh, they don't realize they're outliers. They think they're mainstream. That highly educated, super liberal university crowd, they, mm-hmm. they think they're mainstream. And they don't realize that on the on the continuum they're way at one end, like at the just like there's two percent of you that feel right. this way, but they think they're like center left. Well, and they're so willing to brutalize you. Their small numbers and extreme positions effectively don't matter when whatever corporation you work for panics because they take to Twitter or whatever. So you lose your job. You who are in line with the vast majority of Americans with very defensible, insane ideas, you will be ruined by the vicious 
That's the reality of it, or, or for some people it is, which is absolutely terrible. That's really some interesting. Of, some of the things the uh, students were yelling at the judge were utterly obscene, by the way. I mean, completely obscene, just horrific. Um, yeah, it's it's sickening. Oh, and this, you know, I beg you to recall the gal who is testifying before the Arizona legislature, who's testified on a couple of different occasions, saying, I have a master's degree in education or a PhD or whatever it was. So what do parents have? Parents shouldn't be deciding what children learn in school. I should be. Yeah, part of that, what I was talking about, the, the, the certainty or the feeling that they're more mainstream or whatever is uh, because of the degrees. They just, we're, we're smarter than everybody else, so. And we're surrounded by people who think the same as yeah. we do because only one ideology is permitted at this university. And so they're completely de- delusional, vicious, racist, childish, inflexible, quick to anger, and utterly incurious. They're the worst people in the world, <laughs> barring a handful of terrorists. And yet they're running the show at some of the quote-unquote great universities of our nation. It's sickening. Pretty interesting. So you had that big giant bank that went uh, under over the weekend? Second biggest bank failure in U.S. history? I didn't realize this other one that happened like overnight is the third biggest bank failure in U.S. history. So the wow. second and third have happened in the last uh, 72 hours. We should check in on that story. Don't you- panic, everybody. The Fed is going to step in and shore them up. Everybody's going to get their money back. No bank panics, everybody. And where's that money coming from to shore up everything? Yeah, the bank ferry. <laughs> so we can get into that story if you uh, if you want to know more about it. And a whole bunch of other stuff, by the way. Um, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Trend on TikTok of people eating oranges in showers claiming that it reduces stress and anxiety. But if you're comfortable filming yourself eating in the shower, I would argue you don't have enough anxiety. (laughs) So why is that a TikTok trend, eating oranges in the shower? 
It's just, Michael, do you have any idea? I have no idea. I didn't care enough supposed, to look into it. I don't yeah. want. I don't have TikTok, so I don't. All right, that's plenty of that. My favorite tweet I saw over the weekend: Did we do it? Did we save the daylight? We're all suffering about the whole daylight savings, daylight, daylight standard thingy. Nobody uh, wants it. Nobody needs it. Stop it. This direction is particularly heinous. Uh, getting the kids to bed and then getting them up, uh, not good. Yeah. I used to be in favor of daylight saving time, I thought, all year long because I like to play golf in the afternoon. Um, but the science is indisputable. You need uh, kids, especially need the sunshine in the morning. Okay, fine, but so then leave it this way, the way it is 100%. now, all year round. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. The other no, one, the, the other one. Okay, yeah. yeah. Now it's pitch black in the morning for an extra hour, which Boom. is which is bad for our mood. Uh, yeah, and bad for uh, getting your circadian rhythms going. Wake you up. You attack the day when the sun shines on your face for millions of years. That's the way human beings lived. Now, through for reasons nobody can put their finger on, we mess with the time so you're getting up in the dark and going to bed or getting ready for bed when it's bright sunshine. And, and there was political talk about it leading up to it as there is growing every time we do this. Marco Rubio introduced Rubio introduced legislation to try to change it, but it'll disappear now that it's over. And it'll all come back up again here in five months or whenever we change it again. Something it's, to look forward to. It's just so maddening. I, I consider it one of the great failures of our democracy. I just think it's and, and it's interesting because we're both conservatives, meaning that we we operate that if there's a, a facet of society that's existed for a very long time, be careful messing with it because it exists for a reason. Just because you can't immediately come up with a reason having taken one poli sci class doesn't mean there's no reason for it to exist. Google this, Chesterton's fence and read about it. Exactly. Yeah, it's a lovely fence and uh, only $25 a, a foot the, uh, on sale now. Um, but uh, 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 the daylight saving thing is a fairly recent development. Its origins are vague at best. It's a bad idea, but we just keep doing it because nobody has the cojones to say, no, this is stupid. Let's stop. Or at least not enough people. So uh, speaking of politics... They'll be voting in uh, less than a year for who's going to be the nominee on the Republican side and maybe the Democrat side if Biden doesn't run. But anyway, um, Ron DeSantis is expected to run. It sure looks like he is. Mark Halpern writing this. Ron DeSantis was in an early voting state to deliver the identical well-honed stump speech that he gave at the Reagan Reagan Library last week and twice in Iowa to a crowd of around 1,000 people with books available and no access by local press. Uh, DeSantis's remarks in Vegas, this time in Nevada, demonstrated that he knows how to deliver carbon copy versions of his Florida Miracle speech. Same jokes, same anecdotes, same cadence, same themes, same issues. So uh, apparently he's got the discipline to do that, which some people consider necessary for running for president. That's interesting praise, but I get it. Uh, Mark Halpern, who follows this stuff closely, said, I can already hum along with it and then mouth most of the words in unison. But, uh, yep, that's the way it works when you're out there running. And, you know, you you don't go to Iowa three times as the governor of Florida because you're not running for president. Iowans read a lot of books. Wants to flog his book. You know, honestly, that's one of the reasons that Trump caught fire is his uh, rallies and speeches are so wildly unpredictable and often hilarious. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah, can't wait till they start turning their attention toward each other. That'll be fun, won't it? 
Oh. I I tweeted out a uh, a rally that happened over the weekend somewhere where the Proud Boys, Patriot Front, and White Lives Matter took on the drag queen, a uh, drag show proponent crowd. Maybe we'll have to get to that story a little bit later. Man, there are people that are uh, passionate to, to the point of beating each other over various issues. Wow. Um, we'll talk about that later. Hey, a giant bank failed. Another giant bank failed. We'll talk about that coming up. Armstrong and Getty. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. California's Silicon Valley Bank, poorly hedged, has collapsed. Depositors panicked in the biggest bank fail since the 2008 financial crisis. Rising interest rates hobbled the bank's loans and investments. The FDIC has taken control, but a worried Wall Street ended down on Friday. All customers who had deposits in these banks can rest assured, I want to rest assured they'll be protected and they'll have access to their money as of today. That includes small businesses across the country that bank there and need to make payroll, pay their bills, and stay open for business. Yeah, I saw. Uh, so there are 60,000 customers at this second biggest bank ever to fail. Since then, the third biggest bank to ever fail has failed. Uh, but I, they had 60,000 customers, and um, I saw one of the uh, guys who ran one of the companies saying they, uh, they, they tried to pay their employees and none of the checks could go through they just had to tell their other employees sorry you ain't getting paid and wondering if they can keep people around because you know you disappear pretty fast if your job doesn't pay you like real fast so the news at the very end of the week was that silicon valley bank this uh bank in silicon valley cleverly named uh was uh, out of money and gonna fail and there was a bit of a run on it and the fear was that uh that would cause a cascading set of bank failures Runs on bank, collapse of the economy, and eventually cannibalism. And so the <laughs> feds have stepped in and said that these uh, tech uh, billionaires or big companies and geniuses who, who run Silicon Valley, who knowingly had uninsured riches in the bank, would get all of their riches back, even though it was uninsured and they knew it. Now Uninsured a- because it was risky. So you took the risk. The bad thing happened, 
but we're going to pick up the tab for some reason. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to have uninsured money in the bank other than the rules are antiquated. And you're not going to, I mean, if you have, it's a maximum $250,000 that'd be uh, insured by the FDIC. And so if you, for instance, had $10 million in the bank, you would have to be in 40 different banks Uh, to have all your deposits insured. And people just don't do that. It's too big of a pain in the butt. Um, And so that's uh, part of the problem. I, I don't have that problem, so. Right, right. But, you know, if you're a tech company, you certainly mm-hmm. might. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, but this Silicon Valley bank that had done really well during the pandemic and the super low interest rates period, they put a hell of a lot of their money in um, in uh, federal bonds and that sort of thing, which as interest rates have risen, the value of having a low interest bond is plunged. And so all of a sudden they're upside down. They got to raise more money. Everybody panics, blah, blah, blah. So this is, I think, and, and I stand ready to be corrected. This seems like a great example of both are true number one eventually really the taxpayer through the fed you know through higher uh, fees or whatever is going to be paying for the super rich to make sure that they get their money back that's not what yeah. janet yellen said yesterday she said there is not going to be a taxpayer bailout <laughs> please Please. Where does all money come from that the government uses, darling? Hmm? Every single penny. Right, exactly. So both are true. It is absolutely a bailout. It is a too big to fail. You know, and and as galling as that is, the other thing's true, too. If they don't stop the panic, there could be an utter disaster. Now, the counter to that is that yeah, that's what everybody said back in 08, too, and we said you've got to let them fail so they learn the lesson so it never happens again. Right. <laughs> so you don't do things super risky because you think no matter, you know, if, if, if this doesn't work out, nobody's going nobody's gonna to come save us. Yeah, who, who are you accusing of being super risky in this scenario? Oh, or your money's not guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. What do you do about that, though? I mean, 250K, really? Let me read from the Washington Post. This move will likely ignite a political firestorm over the decision to protect the assets of tech firms, venture capitalists, and other rich people in California. Claims that the decisions do not amount to a bailout, however, are likely to be challenged. This is from the Washington Post. I mean, because you're going to hear why we just did. You're going to hear this from the right too. I mean, you're going to hear it. I'll bet you hear it from Tucker tonight. I'll bet it's his lead thing. Um. While the fund going to the depositors is paid into by U.S. banks, it's ultimately backstopped by the Treasury Department and therefore U.S. taxpayers. Now is not the time, this is my Bernie Sanders voice, for U.S. taxpayers to bail out Silicon Valley Bank. If there's a bailout of Silicon Valley Bank, it must be 100% financed by Wall Street and large financial institutions. We cannot continue down the road of more socialism for the rich and rugged individualism for everyone else. I think you're going to hear similar words from Tucker Carlson. Yeah, good. And his crowd tonight. Yeah, I'll bet you're right. Yeah. So yeah, so I, I don't know. Well, you're like you said, it's a it's a it's a problem. I don't know how you fix it. Yeah, I don't I don't know either. Honestly, I'm just exa- exhausted by the whole thing. So how? Um, so I don't need to go to the ATM and take all my money out today. My bank's not going to collapse. Well, you certainly can, and it might, but uh, I doubt it. Yeah. I think you'll probably be fine. Oh, it might. It's not going to. 
You shouldn't have said that. How do you know? Joe Getty should not have said it might. It's not going to. Well, I don't know. It could be your bank is like entirely crooked. The guy's been filtering all the money or siphoning all the money over to, I don't know, Vlad Putin or, or, or ISIS or something. I don't know. What <laughs> bank are you with? Well, it's one of your big, well-known banks. I don't think oh, it's okay. going to go under. Of course, nobody thought this bank was going to go under either. Yeah, I suppose not. So I, I don't know. It's a, between bank regulations and the moral ethical argument over whether too big to fail is ever a good principle to govern your decision. And, you know, the, the just it's so complicated. It's just exhausting to me, honestly. I, I absolutely know the super rich are running the world, and they get their ass covered because they're the super rich. I mean, Ro Khanna, the, the Congress dope from that area, is uh, he's actually not a dope. He's an interesting guy. Um, You're but really calling lots of people names today. I mean, well, just they everybody's it. a dope or a... I'm calling the dopes dopes because I have the balls to. You sit there all smug and 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 and, and cowardly, huh? You dope. <laughs> you having a good time, Joe? Calling now people, I've called him a coward. Calling people dopes and cowards. <laughs> uh, let's see. Give me a little Rokana, huh? Let's see. What did he say? Uh, Thirty-six, please, Michael. I have great respect for Secretary Yellen, but I think we need to have more clarity and greater. Uh, strength in what Treasury is saying. First, the principle needs to be that all depositors will be protected and have full access to their accounts Monday morning. All They're- depositors, meaning those with accounts bigger than $250,000, which is the cutoff for insurance right now. Yes, all of them. There you go. Well, you sound like you're in the pocket of the wealthy, though, by saying that they should be able to have their money protected. I don't know yeah. who's paying you. Well, yeah, just so now, in fact, well, well, yeah, in maybe. reality, they are protected. <laughs> oh, right. So right. why and, not just make it that way? You know, write it down, I guess, because this is what we do. Apparently, so if a if a little bank in Kansas fails and a bunch of farmers' uh, savings disappear, good luck to you. Will they be uh, bailed out? No, I wonder. No, you don't think? I don't think. If they have money over 250k, so effectively, then, if, well, if the answer is, oh yeah, we'd we'd bail the farmers out too. Well, then the FDIC insurance limit is meaningless. Yeah, well, you're right. So we should do one or the other. Yeah, yeah. either stick to it or raise it. Or compl- or should yes. we get, should we not have banks? That this was the discussion back in 2008. And uh, according to everybody I read, it's only gotten worse, not better, that we shouldn't have any financial institutions that are too big to fail, that we that that can be big enough. They could drag down the whole economy. So we all need to step in and and uh, pick up the pieces if they either make bad decisions like happened in 2008 or or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So is that a is that a. It's not a free speech thing, but is it a uh, some sort of freedom thing where you don't allow an institution to get so big? I don't know. Well, and and banks and the way they invest the money that the you know they hold for their their uh, depositors. How free should they be to invest in whatever they want? But I would you like know, to get away from privatizing success and socializing losses. Yes, hundred percent. But if a bunch of rich people get together and do invest in something and it works out, they get to keep it. But if it doesn't work out somehow, things don't work out, then we all come together because it's too big to fail? That We can't continue that. 
Yeah, the weird twist on this uh, Silicon Valley bank, unless I'm misunderstanding something, is they had a huge percentage of their holdings in, like, the safest investments, these uh, long-term federal bonds. But because of the interest rate uh, gyrations caused by the Fed, both keeping them artificially low and then jacking them up to tame inflation, all of a sudden that huge percentage of their assets in those uh, long-term bonds were, were practically worthless. And so their balance sheet was way off. Um, their, their assets plunged in value. So I don't know. A lot of my assets have plunged in value over the years, too. Yeah. And yeah, nothing happened to help me out other than having to make more money. Yeah, yeah, here, here. A complete change of topic, if I might. Well, we could take a break and come back. Um, Bernie Sanders was on Bill Maher and made a shocking revelation, a confession that is shaking. I said shocking. I can say shaking. That is shaking the left to its core, or it would if they had any interest on in the, the truth. On the Friday night sober HBO show or on the in his basement drunk high show? Because Bill Maher's got I will, two shows I now. will not watch that perversion of a show. Intoxicated people attempting to entertain me. I won't have it. God, I love that show. It is so freaking good. It is the kind of conversations you just don't hear anybody where. And I don't know if it's, I don't think it's because, of, well, maybe some of it's because of the drinking and the smoking pot. I don't know. They don't all smoke pot. Bob and that's Co- on the YouTube, right? Yeah, it's just on YouTube. Bob Costas was on for, geez, I don't know, hour or two the other day talking with Bill Maher. And Bob Costas doesn't smoke pot, but he, uh, so Bill Maher said, uh, you going to drink? And he said, yeah, I just poured myself a glass of Chardonnay. Bill Maher said, I didn't even know you were gay, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Which I found funny. Wow, you can't say that. (laughs) Well, that's the sort of show it is. I mean, there are so many things said on that show that you don't hear anywhere else. It's really Good shocking. Good for Maher. He yeah. just doesn't care anymore. And that's exactly where they were. There are a couple of 70-year-olds saying, what do we got to lose at this point? Yeah. They're Bob Costas dropping, dropping F-bombs? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know how that helps the world anyway. But um, I do want to hear what Bernie Sanders said that broke the internet. So we have that coming up, among <laughs> other things. I didn't say that. I did. Don't put those words in my mouth, you. <laughs> Trying to build up the excitement. That and other stuff on the way. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Getty Show. Dreams are something you have to believe in. I almost gave up on mine. To all of you out there, please keep your dreams alive. Uh, I wish we had more of that speech because he talks how great America is. At, uh, that's the guy that won the best Oscar or the Oscar for best supporting actor for being in everything, everywhere you go, all at once today, or whatever the name of that movie is that I saw. Well, yeah, that part about the American dream. Did you cut that part out, Michael? Is it because you hate America? <laughs> I had nothing to do with that clip. I don't know why we you cut out the America. really great part about coming to America and being a success, but um, uh, yeah. America no, hater? No, that's cool. Yeah, I saw I saw the movie that won Best Picture and a whole bunch of other Oscars. I have no idea what it was about. If you watch it, like a lot of people probably will now that won the award, uh, tell me what it was about so I can... Man's inhumanity to man, I'm guessing. <laughs> man's place in the universe. Probably a coming-of-age story of some sort. Boy meets girl. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Got this nice note from uh, Paolo, frequent correspondent. Uh, uh, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com is our email address. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, Paolo points out, the last two weeks, Bill Maher has asked lefty guests about equity versus equality. Oh, yeah, he's big on this right now. Oh, God bless him for that. In uh, several cases, Mara and the guests uh, both kind of fumbled around, feigning confusion about the issue. Then they settled on equality being the same uh, opportunity and equity being the same outcome. What struck me was that I think they knew exactly what the difference was, and they knew what their opinion was. But they approached it as though they were afraid of offending somebody, presumably on their own side, I would agree. Um, and then he uh, mentions, yeah, yeah, this is an example of it. This is Bernard Sanders. Bernard Sanders. Sanders. That's right, in clip 21. With all the emphasis on DEI, are we confusing equality of opportunity with trying to guarantee equity in outcomes? Okay, that's interesting because I think this word equity has come into the language in the last few years, and before that we didn't hear it a lot, and I think a lot of people hear equity and they hear equality, that like, it's the same word. And it's not the same word in the same c- concept. So how would you differentiate between equity and equality? Well, equality, we talk about, uh, I don't know what the answer to that is. <laughs> Come to think of it, you know, uh, equality is equality of opportunity. All right? We live in a society, we want all people Right. To have whatever color your skin is. Equity, I think, is more guarantee of outcome, is it not? I yeah, think, I think so. I think that's Okay. Fine. So which, do you come, which side do you come down on? Uh, equality. Equality. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right. Okay, well, that's not what we're doing all over the place. We're not Boy, what we're ranting and raving about. Paolo's analysis is absolutely right. Bernie knows precisely the difference between those two terms. Oh, heck yeah. He didn't, yeah, he was thinking about how do I handle this? On a giant mainstream platform that's not going... Because he and mainstream media are constantly hitting us with charts and graphs about how women are making less money or this uh, brand of person is not getting the right jobs or whatever, and you're claiming that that's sexism or racism or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you can't have that. And claim that, no, 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 I just want uh, equality of opportunity. I'm not concerned about equity. No, that doesn't work. Well, and what's brilliant about it, and, and Paolo's right, is that it unmasks so much of the strategy, which is to throw a word that sounds a lot like equality up there, because everybody's in favor of equality. Mm-hmm. 
hoping people mistake it for being the same thing. And to the extent that they, you know, they understand it, well, then clearly, clearly what we need is equity. Except if you if if you clarify for people what the two terms mean and ask them which one they're in favor of, like Bernie blanking Sanders, virtually everybody will say, oh, equality. Yeah. Oh, is that what equity means? No, I'm not in favor of that. And they know it. But they don't huh. want to step outside the, uh, the, the the doctrine. They're afraid to, the, the way they stammer around. Well, I, uh, well, I don't. <laughs> that is something. So they were, um, so Bill Maher was talking about sports with Bob Costas a lot, obviously, on his show the other day. And I thought it was interesting. Bill Maher was talking about he was a part owner of the Mets for a while. Like, he's a big sports fan. And um, uh, he's saying, one of the things I really like about sports is, you know that everybody on the field or on the court is there because of their abilities, their talent, and their hard work. There is absolutely no you're here because your dad was something or you're you know in the organization or you're the skin color or anything. It's all right. pure. And I thought that was interesting from a lefty, from a liberal, that that's what he likes about sports is everybody got where they got based on they deserve to be there. Yeah, that's interesting because that doesn't often fit into the whole lefty thing. Yeah, sports is absolutely a meritocracy, which is part of what's so appealing about it. Yeah, there ain't nobody putting you out on that court because your dad is somebody in the organization or because we need a certain number of this or that. Absolutely nobody. Oh, for the record, speaking of sports, I read an eloquent and beautifully written editorial explaining why the new rules in baseball are bad. The pitch clock is unholy because that's the beauty of baseball. It unfolds how it unfolds. There's no clock. The the guy always gets a chance, blah, blah, blah. No, the pitch clock is great. It's good. It's super. Keep it. You know, I can talk more about that later, but having watched a couple of uh, spring training games, for one thing, it's a TV show. All right. It's entertainment. And it is like slow paced and getting slower in the 21st century. I love the game. I love the sport. I don't want to see it go away. And picking up the piece with the pace rather was completely necessary. Now that hole in extra innings, there's a phantom runner on base all of a sudden is ridiculous. But we do four hours of this here show. If you ever miss an hour, get the podcast Armstrong and Getty on demand. Armstrong and Getty. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. 
Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. <laughs> 